Hey, Steve. Um, there's something I need to tell you. Oh, sure, buddy. What is it? Well, there's something that I've been wanting to tell you for, you know, um, you know, for a while now. Well, you, <laughs> you can tell me anything. You know that. I do, I do, I do know that. It's just, well, I've been keeping something from you, and I, I just gotta come clean. I can't live with this secret anymore. Okay, well, just tell me. Just tell me. All right, yeah, yeah, you're right. Steve? I am really a man. Um, what? I am a man. I'm not a strong, independent woman who can handle everything from sexual discrimination to female empowerment. I am a man with man parts. <laughs> See? Feast your eyes upon my manhood. I know this must come as a shock, but I had the best intentions posing as a woman all these years. I know you're a man. I've always known you're a man. You've never implied that you were anybody but a man. I haven't? Not once. Oh, I could have sworn I did. Boy, I look foolish, huh? Sure do. Can you put the penis away, please? Nobody will hire you. Are you saying that nobody in New York will work with me? Oh no, that's too limited. Nobody in Hollywood wants to work with you either. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation was good in the 80s. <laughs> its reputation is still good, I think. I think this movie has largely been kind of not talked about a whole lot. Perhaps. Because... For reasons that we'll discuss later. <laughs> we'll probably get around to that, huh? What movie are we talking about? We are talking, of course, about that classic 1982 romantic comedy farce showbiz satire thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tootsie! Oh boy, Tootsie! Yay! Tootsie! How many of our audience members remember that movie? I don't know. But it was one of the biggest <laughs> hits of the year. It came in second place after E.T., for the love of God. Think about that. I know. Everyone was like, that was a great year of movies. We got to see a little, little booger alien go back home, and we cried. And then we got to see Dustin Hoffman create gay panic all yeah. over the place it was, on the screen. It was the year of Dustin Hoffman, box office superstar. Mm-hmm. It was. Hey, guess what? It, it also was. made more money than Wrath of Khan. Isn't that fun? I know. I know. Isn't that fun? No, it did. Made more money than Beastmaster. That came out that year. I'd watch Beastmaster 900 times instead of watching even 10 more minutes of this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's my review and it's early and whatever. You don't come here for my review. You come here for me to get my dander up. You like hearing my blood pressure literally go up. You can hear it. You can hear it throbbing through my veins. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I could be ghosting you, you guys. I could, like, totally love this movie. That's right. But if you know anything about me at this point, you know that can't possibly be true. You knew it when I announced it on the last show. <laughs> oh, I bet Jason's going to love that one. <laughs> the cross-dressing anyway. comedy from the early 80s. Steve, give us a trivia to this fucking movie. I, I do. Actually, I have some trivia since you mentioned that. Hooray. Um, so here's a fun story. During the filming of the movie, the crew would only give bad news to Dustin Hoffman while he was in costume as Dorothy because they Why? thought because they thought he was nicer as a woman. 
Oh, because he's a method actor, right? Because he's really difficult to work with. Yeah, he's extraordinarily difficult to work with. In other words, he's an asshole. He's he's a joik. <laughs> he's one of them actors who thinks a lot about themselves. He's a big joik, but it's okay because and he their because process. yeah. But it's okay though because he turned some of that into jokes in the movie. Were they jokes? So it's okay. Well, yeah, that, I mean, maybe, maybe were not. They jokes? Maybe not. Maybe were not. they his jokes or were they people who observed him and put those jokes in? I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. More trivia, please. Okay. So speaking of of, of the way this movie is regarded um, mm-hmm. uh, by by modern audiences, so um, the American Film Institute uh, put out its list of the top 100 American films, right? And then, yeah. and then, uh, uh, ten years later, it put out a revised list, and this would have been in two thousand seven right. when it put out its revised list of the the, the top one hundred American films, right? Right. Top one hundred American films ever made. Right. According to the AFI, the best of the best. The best of the, the best. Of crap. According to the AFI, Tootsie is number sixty nine on that list. What? Of the 100 top American films ever made, yeah, ranked by the American Film Institute, Tootsie is not uh-huh. only on the list, but is number 69. And and here's here's something else. Here's here's another fun bit of trivia for you, buddy. You're gonna love this. They also did. I will. They <laughs> you're gonna love it. They also did. Great. They they did uh, a little bit later after that. I think they they did a special list that was focused just on comedies. So the top 100 oh, okay. greatest comedies in the history of American cinema, right? Tootsie, yeah. was, Tootsie was number two on that list. What? I know, right? What was Isn't, number one? Oh, well, that's, you know what? It's so weird because number one was another cross-dressing comedy, Some Like It Hot. Oh, for, which is... Let me, I just need to, I need yeah. to understand this. Just a second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tootsie. Tootsie. This tone-deaf, mansplaining, mansplaining sack of shit movie is funnier. Than Ghostbusters? Uh, apparently. All of Woody Allen's films? Apparently, yeah. All but the one Marx of Billy Brothers. <laughs> All but one of Billy Wilder's films as well. Apparently, yeah. The Marx Brothers, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mel Brooks. Yep. I thought you said this was going to be great. And oh, I, I was. I, I would think it's great. I was being. And you, you lied I, to me I, again. I was being sarcastic. Oh, I didn't hear the sarcastic oh, tone. Oh, it didn't come through. I'm sorry. There's, we talked about this. There's a tone when you're being sarcastic, because otherwise you're just tricking me so, again. So I should have I should have said it something more like, like, oh, Jason, you're going to love this. Like something like that. No, no, you just sound like a, wait, like a maitre d' in a 1930s movie. <gasps> oh, you're going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right this way. Do you have any other trivia? Yes, movies? I do. I have a delightful story to share with you Is and this our listeners. Are you being sarcastic? Now <laughs> I don't know anymore. You've destroyed my world. It's a very dry sarcasm. Okay. So, and this is a, this is a story from Dustin Hoffman himself. He told this story on David Letterman like ten years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. So during the production of Tootsie, Dustin Hoffman in costume as Dorothy got on an elevator at the well, wherever they were filming. They filmed it mostly in New York, so they, wherever they were in, on location in New York. Um, yeah. He got on an elevator, and it just so happened that also on the elevator was legendary star of film and television, Jose Ferrer. 
That's right. Who who did not recognize Dustin Hoffman because he was in costume okay. as, as as the lady, right? So while sure they didn't. So while they were on the elevator, Dustin Hoffman turned to Jose Ferrer and offered to suck his dick. Oh, that's hilarious. And Jose Ferrer replied, "Quote: Not right now, thank you." Well, that's a great story yeah. about Jose Ferrer and a terrible story about <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. It gets better because a year later, again, according to the telling of the story by Dustin Hoffman himself, a year uh-huh. la- a year later, Dustin Hoffman ran into Jose Ferrer at a party and told him yeah. about it, said, hey, that was me on the elevator that time, and teased him about it. Oh, that's great. Isn't that a great story that that's, makes Dustin Hoffman great. seem like a terrific guy? <laughs> it does. That when he's dressed up like a lady, he could make men uncomfortable. Yeah. And and use the the fem, you know, try to utilize his feminine power by doing what I guess he themes as natural, which is offer to suck a gentleman's dick on an elevator. Yep. That's great. I thought he's the He's the guy yep. afterwards. I thought it was a delightful story. Ha ha ha, Jose Ferrer, Oscar-winning actor and legend in Hollywood. You didn't let me gobble your cock because you didn't you didn't know that I was a woman. Ho ho hey everybody, listen. Ding 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 ding. I gotta tell you this great story about this time that Jose Ferrer didn't want me to go down on him and give him a sloppy blowjob. In an elevator. In an elevator, while I was dressed like a woman. For two, I should have started that at the beginning, that I was dressed like a lady first. <laughs> uh, oh, please, Dustin, leave me alone. <laughs> Great. Any, anything else? Nope. Anything. That's it. That's all I got. Great. That's I have I some trivia. Oh, please. Despite the fact that Dustin Hoffman has said that this has been his vehicle for since forever and he wanted to do this after Kramer versus Kramer and he got in touch with his feminine feelings bullshit, um, which is bullshit. He's claimed all over. I learned so many things pretending to be a woman. Fuck you. You didn't. But neither did his character. <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> this movie has been floating around since 1970s. Yeah. Since 1972. And it was originally going to be a vehicle for what everyone thinks of when they think of a lady, Buddy Hackett. Oh, of course. Can you imagine how funny that movie would have been? It wasn't called Tootsie. It was going to be called Would I Lie to You or something like that, right? Yeah. It's kind of following. And then it went through a billion rewrites. And then eventually Dustin Hoffman got his hands on it. And he's like, I want to do this. And they, bleh. no, it wasn't his idea. It wasn't always, I mean, he may have contributed to it. I don't give a shit. Okay. I don't. <laughs> now, the only thing I could think of is him insisting on giving a blowjob to Jose Ferrer while he's dressed up like the main character from Tootsie. And Jose Ferrer beating his hands and away going, Madam, please, Madam, please. No, no, no. I'm a decent human being. Can't I walk down the street without being accosted? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do the who made it before let's do it. before more of my world slips away through Steve's <laughs> lies of tone. <laughs> it was directed by Sidney Pollack, who should have known better. I, it was directed by Sidney Pollack, who also directed the movies like Out of Africa mm-hmm. and The Way They Were. And you guys probably recognize him as a character actor more than anything else because he was constantly appearing as in on TV and other stuff because, you know, to appeal to his ego, you just need to put him in something. I don't know. <laughs> he seems like an okay guy. I don't really like any of his movies. Not really. Except Havana. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was his masterpiece. It was produced by Charles Evans, 
who was the owner of a of a, like a, a fashion house, which he called Women's Fashion House. Oh, how fun. That wasn't owned or operated by women. Huh. But Empowerment Brother. Funny. Also produced by Sidney Pollack, a guy named Dick Richards. Come on. Nothing, nothing. Dick nothing. Richards? Come on now. Yeah, his name's Dick Dick. <laughs> Somebody was playing a joke on him, and it was his mom uh-huh, and dad. His parents. <laughs> And Ronald L. Schwari, nothing, nothing, literally nothing. You look him up on 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 Wikipedia. It's just this movie. Screenplay by Larry Gelbart, and he was the he was a comedy writer for a really long time. He's most notable for creating Mash, which is a show that I love that Steve hates beyond compare. I don't know why. It's an anti-war comedy. <laughs> That lasted for 11 years, but I guess Steve loves war and he hates comedy, but... <laughs> One day I will break into the studio and destroy the masters of M.A.S.H. I will, <laughs> I will burn it. I will erase it from existence. <laughs> um, also, screenplay by Murray Shizgold, nothing. And then uncredited, Barry Levinson, and you know him, he, he did Diner and Rain Man and Good Morning Vietnam and that smash hit Robin Williams vehicle, Toys. Ah, yes. Remember that? That's, oh, yes. Yeah, boy. That, that time was classic. And also screenplay by Elaine May, who also went uncredited, and she was a co-writer, a writer on things like Primary Colors and The Birdcage, and she did a lot of punch-up for a lot of people, mm-hmm. so it looks like they hired two punch-up people, because yeah. Levinson, prior to this, had been working with Mel Brooks a lot. And the nice thing about it is, even though Elaine May was the only woman uh, to be a writer on the movie, you can't even tell. Yeah, because she's uncredited. <laughs> And also, they changed a lot of her dialogue. She wrote a lot of the dialogue for Bill Murray's character, mm-hmm. and then Bill Murray just went ahead and improvised a lot of it anyway. <laughs> but whoa, we care. It's just the whim- woman's so- Sorry, slides. legendary writer Elaine May. <laughs> <sighs> Story by Don McGuire. Nothing. Oh, and also Larry Gilbart, Gilbert. so I guess they changed it a little bit. It's great, whatever. Starring Dustin Hoffman as <laughs> Michael Dor- Dorsey, Dorothy Michaels. You know, they wanna, they actually gave, tried to give the part to other people before Dustin Hoffman, destroying the whole, this is mine, I love it, I, I'm totally behind it all the time. Really? He didn't want to star in it at first. Hmm. Uh, he wanted, according to legend, he said he wanted to make sure that he could pass as a woman, and that's bullshit. He was scared. Fuck you, Dustin. I don't care. <laughs> anyway, um, no, uh, they approached first Peter Sellers. Okay. And then, screw, screw your, your mind around this one, Steve. Oh, boy. Michael Caine. Oh, he'd be a pretty lady. He's six foot three or something. I mean, he's gigantic, isn't he? Yeah. Well, okay. so is Elizabeth what? Debicki. Hmm? So is Elizabeth Debicki. She's six foot three. Who's, who's Elizabeth She Debicki? was, uh, she played the high priestess in, um, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the gold lady. Oh, is she really tall? Yeah, she's like, yeah, she's like six foot three. Yeah. Well, she's supposed to be like a queen or something. Of course she's going to be tall. <laughs> and they didn't really stand her next to anybody. Did you notice that? <laughs> Do I have to stand in this six foot deep pit? Yeah, she didn't stand next to Crichton when he was there the whole time. <laughs> Farscape guys get that joke. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's. Where am I? I don't care anymore. Oh, Jessica Lang mm-hmm. as Julie Nichols. Didn't you know her from King Kong and American Horror Story oh, yeah. and Rob Roy? And she's a great actress. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know. She had just completed filming Francis right before she came to, to talk about switching gears. 
um, she had just finished filming Francis, the Francis McDormand story, and then came in and started doing this movie. And so she was having she was having some problems with like anger. Like they said, you need to be angry in the scene, and she was approaching it like Francis Farmer. No, I'm sorry, Francis Farmer. Right. And so <laughs> she yeah. was like tearing things off walls, and they were like, you need to come down. It'll be okay. You're, you're angry, but you're not that angry. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> Terry Garr is Sandy Lester, and you know her from Young Frankenstein and Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Mr. Mom and TV and TV and, and other parts in movies. You know who she is. Mm-hmm. Dabney Coleman is Ron Carlyle, and you know him from 9 to 5 and War Games and Boardwalk Empire and a whole bunch of other stuff. He's one of my favorite character actors, although he does tend to play the same character over and over again. Um, you know, sexist. <laughs> he has sexist he, creeper. He has a type. He has a type. Uh, Doris Black as Rita Marshall, and you'll recognize her from a lot of bit parts, playing oh, yeah. kind of the same character. Um, uh, probably you guys would recognize her from What About Bob? Charles Durning as Leslie Les Nichols. Do I gotta? <laughs> Jesus. This is like the fifth film that we've reviewed that he's been in, yeah. but... Yes, he was Doc Hopper in, in the Muppet movie, and he was in Oh Brother, Where Art You Thou? And he was in everything. He's been in everything. He's he's that fat guy who could transition from evil to good almost in, like there's a dial on his chest. <laughs> oh, it was set to evil. Um, <laughs> Bill, Bill Murray is Jeff Slater. And uh, this is like his third movie, mm-hmm. I think. And he uh, told them, don't put my name in the opening credits or really mention me because he felt that because he had been in Meatballs, they'd associate him with Meatballs and SNL, and they just wanted him to be in the movie. And I forgot how young he was. Oh, yeah. He's so young. <laughs> Little baby Sydney Bill Murray. Pollock, yeah. Sidney Pollock as uh, George Fields. Uh, he plays Dustin Hoffman's agent. They originally wanted Dabney Coleman to play Dustin Hoff- Hoffman's agent, but then Dust- the- Dustin Hoffman and, Sid- and uh, Sidney Pollock fought so much. So much. Dustin Hoffman didn't get along with a lot of people. Sidney Pollock was one of them. Also Larry Gelbart. <laughs> that, <laughs> wow. But, Interesting. I mean, he said, I want that, that dynamic between the two of them when they fight. And you can see it. Oh, yeah. Because I honestly think that Sidney Pollock is, is literally angry and frustrated and just done with Dustin <laughs> Hoffman in this movie. George Gaines is John Van Horn, and you know him from Police Academy and Punky Brewster. Oh, yeah. And, that Corman Fantastic Four that we like so much. <laughs> Gina Davis in her in her big screen premiere, we oh, get to yeah. see her all the time in underwear because it was that kind of empowerment, everybody. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> own your sexuality by walking around in your underwear, baby. Come on. Mm-hmm. She plays uh, April Page. Lynn Thigpen as Joe, and you'd recognize her as from um, Carmen Sandiego, I guess. Yeah, she was the chief on Where in the World is Carmen yeah, she Sandiego? Was the chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellen Foley as Jackie, nothing. Anne Shropshire as Mrs. Crawley, nothing. Amy Lawrence as Amy the Baby, nothing. She could, she knew. She got out. <laughs> She's like, she I'm done. Like, I'm done with this shit. You wanted me to cry for four hours straight, and I've got to act with Dustin Hoffman during it? No, not doing it again. Even the baby was like, Dustin Hoffman is way too demanding of a scene partner. He literally told me, a baby, how to cry like a baby. I'm not working like this. The baby did not like getting line readings from Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) From Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) 
Uh, Susan Egbert as Diane Nothing. <laughs> and Christine Ebersole as Linda. And you'll recognize her from a lot of movies and a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but notably, Amadeus, yes. where she played the opera singer. And Mac at Me, where she played the mommy. There's a career. There's a career. It's quite an Was arc, it isn't Milos, it? <laughs> Milos Forman directed Amadeus, didn't he? Oh, yes. Can you imagine going from, at the beginning of the decade... Amadeus with Milos Forman to whatever guy was walking past the studio in Mac and Me. <laughs> guy who could hold a slate. <laughs> music by Dave Grusin. We've heard his music in Gra- The Graduate and Goonies and Ishtar. What a lineup. <laughs> Cinematography by Owen Roisman. And we know him from The French Connection and The Exorcist and Network. So he seems like a perfect fit for this movie. So of course they hired him (laughs) to shoot Tootsie. Uh Uh-huh. Edited by Frederick Steinkamp uh, and William Steinkamp, their brothers. And they they work a lot with Sidney Pollack. Production company, Mirage Enterprises. Distributed by uh, Columbia Pictures. Release date, December 17th, 1982. It was a Christmas movie. Oh, good. The whole family could go out to the movie theater and enjoy it. Uh, That's great. Running time. Too long. (laughs) For this premise, what the fuck are you doing? 116 minutes. Why, Steve? What's wrong with 90 minutes? 90 minutes is a nice, solid runtime for most movies, I would say. It's a nice, solid runtime. They're not saying anything, so why is it that long? (laughs) Budget, $21 Adjusted for inflation, $56.5 million. I have no fucking idea where all of that money went unless it was that expensive to film in new york pointing a camera at actors who walk down the sidewalk in new york is very expensive apparently i guess so box office 177.2 million dollars or adjusted for inflation 476.7 million dollars yep this movie was a hit oh my god a huge hit and have when was the last time before this podcast have you heard anyone mention tootsie other than an obscure reference on family guy (laughs) no it doesn't happen that often does it no it doesn't there's a reason there's a reason so steve Uh uh-huh are you dressed? I am dressed, yeah, yeah. Did you put your Spanx? I got them on, Spanx, right? yeah, yeah. They really, they look good. They, you yeah, I'm, in. Yeah, I, I know. The I, wig you, looks good. You told me to nair my legs, but I didn't want to. No, oh, well, I'm going to do them during the during the review. Oh, okay. That won't okay, be distracting. I'm not, nair- I'm, not, I'm not nairing them. I'm sugaring those things off. You're going to learn. <laughs> You're going to learn what sarcasm is. You're going to learn. <laughs> Okay, and the beard too. Oh man. Uh, okay. Well, I don't like it when I kiss you. It's all scratchy. How else am I gonna I learn? Like I mean, you've refused to condition the beard, and it just marks up my face I, every time. I refuse to wash it at all. The last time we made out, it looked like I was eating a strawberry pie just before. It just doesn't. It's not good. Doesn't sound like my problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go into the world of Tootsie Steve. Yeah. Do it. Okay. <laughs> Talk about the movie. Just do it. Talk about the movie. So we open on an actor's makeup table. Hooray. Yay. And then we see Dustin Hoffman putting on some makeup. He, Whatever. Well, he puts he puts on a little fake mustache, you know. Mm-hmm. He spirit gums a mustache onto himself. And, and then we see him going to an audition mm-hmm. and reading for a part yeah. that he doesn't get. 
No, he doesn't get that. And then we see him. Basically, this is what this whole opening thing montage is. You ready? Dustin Hoffman is an insufferable actor and teacher. Yes. Oh, yeah, because we also we, we get intercut. He's he, when him teaching an acting class. Yeah. yeah. That was a blank statement. Yeah. Not about the movie. <laughs> about Dustin Just Hoffman. Just about Dustin Hoffman in general. <laughs> I would not want to work with him ever, ever based on what I've heard, and apparently from what we're witnessing yeah. in this movie. From, from the bits of his personality and life and working method that he allowed to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's argumentative. Yeah. He, he fights with the director. He cannot see someone else's point of right. view to the point in which it halts productions and slows them down. Apparently, these parts in the big opening montage where he's auditioning for roles are all supposedly taken from his real life experience auditioning for roles on Broadway. Yeah, I read he, that. He is a self-important schmuck, and I've met dozens of them as an actor and as as a as a playwright and i i want to murder all of them all of them the most temperamental actor i ever worked on <laughs> worked with didn't show up to our second play on the second performance he was gone we had to hustle the co-writer of the show put him into <laughs> the costume to read the lines and then he did call us and let us know where he was until 45 minutes after we had already opened the show late Wow. And that actor's name was Tom Hanks. <laughs> Thankfully we found someone who is much better in the role that could fill in for the rest of the for the rest of the show and we fired him. You know we fired him. I, I've heard people tell, and maybe it's just an urban legend, but maybe having worked in theater you, you might know this. I've actually heard people say that there are some actors who are incredibly talented, wonderful performers who are also not huge assholes. That is very true. I've, in I, fact I would say the majority of them are. So it's almost like there's not really like an excuse. There's no reason. For <laughs> like you don't need to There's be no, a jerk to be a good actor. Other than me, 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 my needs. Yeah. Me, 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 and my needs. This is. I know you're a director and you've been working hard on this and prepping it. And I know that the producers are in control of the money and and that the screen the screenwriter actually created this story has some stake in it. But um, listen, I'm right and I'm going to change what I want to change and I'm not going to listen to anyone else. Me, 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 and me. And that's a, that's unfortunately we encounter that all the time. And usually when you get one of those actors in your in your your company of players, when they step forward and say, "I have a problem," you see five or six people behind them roll their eyes <laughs> and then turn away from the stage, right? Because they have to go through this shit again. Okay, I'm done. I'm okay. <laughs> so it turns out this opening sequence was very triggering. For I can me. imagine. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> you felt a, a, a sharp pang of familiarity. Um, so, but it turns out that uh, D- Dustin Hoffman's character, Michael, isn't getting all that much work as an actor. And actually, he's working uh, in a restaurant as a waiter to p- pay the bills. With, with with his roommate playwright, Bill Murray. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and they have awful, awful discussions about plays and stuff when they're walking home after, after working a shift. Yep. And then there's a surprise birthday party yeah, for this asshole. Because it's his birthday, and all his friends are there. And Terry Gard Terry, plays Sandy. Terry Gard's there. She's one of his closest friends. They've known each other for six whole years. Six years, practically a lifetime. Yeah, and uh, we watched Dustin Hoffman wander around his apartment, hitting on every woman that's there, and asking about women who turn out to be married. And then we keep seeing him hitting on women, and then the women leave because they had dates. 
and um, I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> you can take your pick, either Dustin Hoffman or the character. Look, I know Dustin there... Hoffman has turned in great performances. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. No, oh, of course not. Okay, no, but this was not acting for him, I don't think. <laughs> I'm just going to be myself. Is that okay? Um, yeah, can I just be myself? I mean, the acting part is when, I'm, is when I dress up in drag, right? Uh, I guess, okay. Oh, but Terry Gar has an audition that she's worried about, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for, a, she for needs, a soap opera. And she needs to run lines with him. And he's like, yeah, sure, okay. And it's for a soap opera, yeah. right? Yeah. And they're sitting there in the soap opera, and then one of the guys mentions that someone was cast in The Iceman Cometh, and he abandons her the moment he can, <laughs> he can get yeah, out of there. Because he thought that he, he just, was going to get that part. Of course he did. So he leaves his friend in the mm-hmm. audition office and goes like right. down the street to his agent's office to demand an yep. explanation for why he didn't get that part in The Iceman Cometh. And the explanation is simple. Everyone hates you, and no one wants to work with you. And I thought, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Is this behind-the-scenes footage? What's going on? <laughs> and action. <laughs> and we get a hint about just how arrogant he is. When, when he says, I'll take any work, I'll take commercial work, I'll do anything, he says, nobody wants to work with you. And he says, okay, but and he, he, he brings up this thing where all he had to do was play a tomato, and he wouldn't follow the stage direction to sit down as a tomato. And... and Dustin Hoffman argues that it's not logical for a tomato to sit down, and agents and Sidney Pollack just loses it on him. He says, "Of course it doesn't make any sense. You're just supposed to play tomato." And Dustin Hoffman breaks into this thing. He says, "I can play all the vegetables." Yeah. He says he played an endive salad that wowed all the critics. He keeps bringing up all this stuff. Where he said he wowed all the critics. And I don't like this character at all. No. But it gets even better. <laughs> Because he's willing to take any work, right? Steve? That's what he says. Terry Gard, yep. Terry Gard comes back out and she said she didn't get the part. They were looking for someone else. They were looking for someone different. And he goes, Maha! I know what to do. Drag! Yay! Smash cut to Dustin Hoffman in drag. Walking down the street. And uh, he goes in there and he switched his name around. Yeah. And uh, they they bring him they bring him in and uh, he has some problem. The director just looks at him. Dabney Coleman just looks at him and says, no, you're not right. And now we get one of the most frustrating parts about this entire fucking movie. And it happens over and over again. We get a man mansplaining to women about being treated fairly. Uh-huh. Yes, we do. Steve? Yeah, yeah, man. Since we're going to be encountering this problem several times during the movie. Uh-huh, sure. What's on your mind? What's wrong with that? What's 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 inherently wrong with that? I mean, it's empowerment, right? I mean, he's saying that he's literally telling the other women on the set that they shouldn't tolerate that behavior, right? To be dis- disregarded uh-huh. for their body and when you have a mind and that you're an actress and you should be taken seriously. There's nothing wrong with that kind of empowerment, right, Steve? No, of course not, Jason. But the, the thing is, is, is that he's kind of doing that to them while he's telling them not to sit still for it because... He's a man. Right. He's a man telling women how yeah. they should act. So he's a cis white male yeah, in drag. In drag, Pre- yeah, pretending to be a woman. Pretending to be a woman. Yes. Are we supposed to get the idea that the best woman is actually when they act like a man? I think. Is that the message? <laughs> I I I can see how someone could get that message from it. Yes. Oh, okay. That's gross. <laughs> anyway, um. <laughs> So then he does it, and and 
And he gets the part. I mean, he goes in auditions. He meets Julie, who's a co-star, and he instantaneously falls in love with her, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. And then he walks out, and I guess he got the part. And he meets his agent, and the agent doesn't recognize him. And then he sits down with his agent, and then we get our first gay panic scene. <laughs> yes. Right? Oh, yes. Yes. Where they, where Sydney is is I'm calling him Sydney. I don't know George. George is freaking out, and people are walking up and introducing themselves, and and Michael is introducing himself to the other people, and he's hitting on them and touching him, and he's freaking out because gay panic is funny. <laughs> and then we get the, a follow up to that with a second gay panic scene with his roommate. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's great. It's funny because if you if you like wearing women's clothing and you maybe identify as a woman there's something wrong with you yep and also and and also it's inherently just hilarious yeah yeah it's it's hilariously funny and maybe you have mental problems because that's that's how every single fucking person in this movie is going to react when they find out right steve because it's funny every single person It's, it's funny and it's sad i guess i don't know I'm not saying that. The movie is saying that. Do you you know what I think would have made the movie a little better? Is if if any character had reacted by getting mad at him for being a huge fucking liar. By being a huge fucking liar. And oh, by the way, taking away a role for a woman. Stealing work. Where there aren't that... I mean, literally, the script says that they're looking for a strong, independent woman to play this part, right? They, this is going to be a different kind of part for the soap opera, right? Right. But they just couldn't find a woman that's strong and independent. So, of course, they <laughs> hired a man to do it. Of course they did. And he just took away precious jobs and, and a, probably a very important part for, from women by taking, him, taking it himself as a man, right? Uh-huh. No one ever said, I don't want to be, I don't care about you dressing up as a woman. This really says a lot about your personality. (laughs) (laughs) And they both agree that they can't tell, they can't tell Sandy because Sandy went out for that part and she'll get mad. Oh, yeah. She'll get angry face Mm -hmm. if, if she finds out that he took the part, right? Yeah. If she finds out that her friend dressed up as a woman and lied about who he was to get a part that she didn't get, she might get a little angry Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know how women are. And yeah. And then, um, so he goes over to Sandy's and lies to her face. Right. Well, yeah, because we forgot to mention oh. he's he's going. His plan is he's going to take his 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 earnings from the soap opera and use them to mount a play that Jeff has written. His yeah, and, Jeff's piece of shit. Yeah. Play. It, it, so, but they don't want to tell Sandy where he really got the money. So he tells Sandy that right. he had like an, a relative that died and left it to him. Mm-hmm. And so um, then. I guess he's suddenly obsessed about women's clothes. Apparently. Well, Sandy Sandy decides to take a shower, and he starts going through her closet, and he wants to try on one of her dresses. But then he takes these as she comes out while he has his pants down, and he says that he wants her, and so they have sex. Yeah. See, he's not he's not gay. See, no, he has sex See, with everybody? ladies. Yeah, he has sex with ladies, and so that that's good, right? So he's... now we know. Okay, good. He's just dressing like a woman, yeah. so that he can get this work, so yeah. he can do this thing. And that's it. He's not. No, he's not gay. He's not gay at all. He's he's just he's a, he's a hetero creep. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then he, he, yeah, he's a hetero creep that has sex with a woman that I don't think he's really interested in and lies to her, yeah. right? Sabor, because cause, uh, that. And now we cut back to the studio and it's like, oh, hi, almost naked Gina Davis. <sighs> I'm sure she wouldn't mind having a man in her dressing room if she knew. No, looking at her and saying tits instead of tips. (laughs) That's fine. That's completely fine. fine. It's It's fine, It's completely fine. Uh Uh-oh, Steve. Uh Uh Uh-oh. It's apparently the show's tradition that the lead old guy um, kisses every woman um, on the show. Yeah. Oh. That's oh, that's. Michael doesn't uh-oh. like that. He doesn't want to have to kiss no man. He might no get man. kissed by a guy. Uh-huh. That'd be bad. Yeah, because you know an actor would never do something for a role right. that they would not want to do in their personal life. That's right. But phew, he doesn't. He hits him on when it's time to film that scene. He hits him in the face and makes up a monologue, mm-hmm. which I guess you can just do. Sure, they just let you do that. <laughs> they just let you make shit up on soap operas, and they leave uh-huh, it in. But oh, oh. After they're done filming, he does, because the guy comes in and kisses him anyway. Oh, no, and that's funny, because men kissing are funny. Yep. It's funny. It's funny. Boys aren't supposed to kiss boys, Jason. I know. Boys are supposed to kiss girls. Whole movie's funny. Uh Uh-oh! His love interest is in love with the director. (gasps) He sees them walk out of the studio together, and he's heartbroken, because he said one word to her or something while he was dressed like a woman. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Mom, I guess they're they're, they're directed. But he's doing doing something I can't remember, but uh, he promised Sandy that they were going to go... He was gonna. He was gonna come over for dinner or something, something, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but he stands her up because he treats her like shit through this entire movie, and it's funny. Yeah. And so then he lies again, and now oh, Dorothy's getting real popular because you know she really speaks to women yep. as a man, and uh-huh. um, people really love her. That she's so great and unique. You no, know, they find out that the director is cheating on Julie. No. Yes, no. happened with Gina Davis. <gasps> well, I can. I, He's I get probably it. seen her in her underwear. I, I get it. Oh, I, I get it. You sure you get it? I get it. Okay. Okay. I get it. And uh, then all I wrote is this is not a date. <laughs> no, it's not. He goes over. Yeah, he goes. <laughs> he goes over. I, I, oh, that's right. She wants Julie wants to run to run lines, lines or right? So she doesn't think it's a date. It is not a date, but he still refers to it when when getting ready and talking to Jeff about it as their first date. That's right, and he wants to look pretty for her, yeah. so he's picking out pretty clothes mm-hmm. to be like a woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, they talk and stuff, and uh, he forgets uh, about Sandy again. You know that girl he fucked. Yeah, and has been lying to over and over again. He forgot. Whoops. It's like ten thirty. We keep cutting over to Sandy, who's making dinner and stuff like that for the thing, you know, for the two of them to be in. And uh, I don't want to do any more movie. I don't. I don't want to do any more movie, Steve. Ha 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 ha. You 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 do no. It's not funny. It's fun. I'm not it's doing a, this for funny. I'm funny... doing this to save my fucking sanity. You do it. I don't want to. Fuck this. It's a fucking it's, thing. It's funny comedy movie. Is it? It's funny comedy movie. <sighs> My notes have gotten really weird at this point. <laughs> I don't know if the things that happened in the movie, I don't know if it was some bizarre stream of consciousness, um, but the, I just wrote, it's a comedy mix-up. I don't, <laughs> it's I don't a comedy know. mix-up. 
I, I don't know what it is. I can't even remember what the mix-up was well, because I, it was probably so pedestrian. I, what, I, what I think it? you might be thinking of when he, he, he finally goes over to Sandy's place and Sandy had gone yeah. to his apartment looking for him. Oh, And that's she right. saw him going into his apartment dressed as Dorothy and thought that he was mm-hmm. another woman that he was having an affair with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says, no, that's that's Jeff's writing partner or something, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. cause Jeff has a girlfriend, so he can't say that it's Jeff's girlfriend. There's nothing funnier than watching someone repeatedly lie to someone who doesn't deserve to be lied to. It's great. It's great. <laughs> we cut back to the studio, and then we get to hear him uh, mansplain about sexual, uh, about, um, sexual harassment. <sighs> yeah, because he knows about that now, because he's been a woman for, like, what, two days? Something like that? I'm, I'm not. Steve, please. Take over the food. Just do, do everything. <laughs> do my responses, too. I can't. I just... There's, there is so many things in this movie that I'm sure were perfectly fine and when it was in development. But now it's just loathsome and gross. Yeah. Because what he comes up with are basically the excuses that anti-feminists use now. A lot Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting that basically you shouldn't have, you shouldn't take it, you should fight back, you should do this, you should do that. Of course. You know, all of this stuff, ignoring the intrinsic misogyny that takes place in the workforce that has been passed down lovingly, generation <laughs> from generation. Um, and also just the whole bit about how it's kind of messed up to expect victimized people to just kind of fix the problem themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, right. Oh, I mean, come on. You, you can handle that. I don't. I certainly yeah, don't. Yeah, but ha- everyone in power doesn't believe that it's happening and it's not a big deal. Right. And then they put the onus back on us to fix it when we can't fix it because the people we have to turn to aren't interested in, in fixing it. But, uh, okay, fine. We'll take your simplistic uh, ideal around it that is so masculine-based because you're probably thinking, oh, yeah, well, this is what I would do as a man. Well, that's great. You have that option. We don't. It's great. I want to shoot somebody right now, Steve. I, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> anyway, so uh, then uh, he also mansplains to a quote-unquote fictional domestic abuse victim. That's right. Doesn't he, yes, Steve? in the scene, in the, uh, in the yeah, because yeah, apparently the character's husband is is abusive, and so again, like making up his own dialogue, improvising, mm-hmm. completely, you know, ignoring what what was actually written for the scene, he takes it upon himself to to counsel this this fictional abuse victim about what she ought to do and how she shouldn't take that from her husband. And yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone that heard that ding, it was, it was my doorbell. Cause we got, I'm, I'm swerving. I'm swerving away to the interesting doorbell sound. Steve, <laughs> I need it. I, I need it. Oh, thank God. We got a delivery of groceries. So it's like, yay. Thank Christ groceries. Um, anyway, everything that you just said is it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. It basically what what Dorothy says on the show is you should fight. What is it? You should fight back, match violence with violence, ignore the the, the power dynamics that usually take place in a an abusive relationship. Yeah, you know, that, that's that not shit. important. None of that stuff is really important. I know it's not important, but it's important that a man tells women this, right? <laughs> of course, Steve? that's it, it's. I mean, it's kind of the whole point of the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but apparently, 
everything that he's saying resonates so strongly that we have a success montage about Dorothy. Oh, yeah. She, right? she, she's a big star now. And not one single reporter asks where she's from, what else you have you been in, nope. where do you come from, who are your family members, any of no, that shit, I guess. None of the people who hired her did either. Mm-hmm. Mm, whatever. But then, I guess, feeling bad for all the lies that he's said to to Sandy, he takes her to a, a, a big entertainment party, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's, we get to see Sandy, who's broke. And she's trying to put food in her purse. Yeah, that's funny. And then, and and uh, and he's going as himself. Yeah, he's not going as Dorothy. He's going as himself. And then he sees Julie there, and he walks up to Julie, and he's and he tries to use a line that Julie said. She wished sometimes guys would just walk up and say, "I want to fuck you." And you know, in that that time that they had their not date. And yeah. so he uses that line, and he and and she throws champagne in his face, and then he wipes his face on a stranger's coattails. It's great, way to go! I love this movie. It's fantastic. It's so funny. I can't I can't stop. He's a laughing at this movie. He's Steve. a very sympathetic character. And then we're back at the studio, and then he's, a man explains to the director about demeaning women with nicknames. Right, because this is where Tootsie comes from, because the director calls him Tootsie or Toots, or, you know, and, instead, of, right. instead of calling him Dorothy. Hey, Steve. Uh-huh. Why is the movie the demeaning name that she gets called? Golly. Or he gets called? I, I just don't know. Why do you think it might be? I don't know either. Is that the point? I, is that Tootsie... They even wrote a a, a, a a song for this movie that features features Tootsie. Yes, a, they did. In the a horrible mean, song. Oh yeah. That we hear like nine times in the movie, and I don't understand. I don't understand, Steve. I thought this was a pro-feminism. Yay, women! Um, don't be called demeaning names. Oh, by the way, you know. I mean, why didn't they just name the the movie "Bitch"? You know. <laughs> well, you couldn't put that on a what, poster in 1982. Come on manipulative cunt that would have that's done even the same less thing. appropriate are you sure because yes. that's the point of calling it tootsie isn't it gotta call it something man gotta call Why it something just call it honey buns honey, or tits honey buns. or whatever other thing dustin hoffman ears said. honey buns <laughs> now that's the black exploitation version of the same movie <sighs> <sighs> Hey, guess what? Guess what? What, what happens? happens? What happens? What happens? Julie invites Dorothy to come stay at her house for the holidays. Oh, nothing can go wrong there. Because we glanced over the part that she's briefly met her father twice. Mm-hmm. Less. Less, yes. And she's like, come to come to the ho- my house for the holidays. And so he then says, of course. And then he lies to Sandy some more about where he's going to be. And now everybody's telling him, don't do this. <laughs> this is stupid. Don't, don't do this. And, um, oh, no, they've got to share a room. That's got, oh no, they got sharp bed. That's a situation just rife with comical hijinks. Oh no, Julie's dad wants to slip him the, the, the pork sausage. Uh oh. He wants to ride her around the house when Julie's not home. But boys don't have sex with boys, Jason. Okay, is that that's, is that that's what not it what's is? supposed to happen. And Dustin Hoffman's really a boy. Don't you see how it's funny? No, it's, funny. it's funny. He's a boy. Trick, you know. 
Trans people don't have enough problems with the myth of them wanting to quote unquote trick people, yeah, right? Yeah. But all the comedy it's funny. is about is about tricking he's people. A, he's a man in a dress and people think he's a woman. I know, and he's tricking and them. He's tricking he's them. Tricking and when they find them. out they get so mad. They get angry. It's funny. Now we get a movie montage. Mm-hmm. To an '80s movie pop song written just for this, just for this film called "Maybe It's yep. You." And I don't care if it got nominated for an Academy Award or anything. I don't fucking care. It, it's insipid. It sounds like, and I remember it, it hearing sound, this. It sounds like the producers of the movie heard that Christopher Cross song from Arthur, and they thought, <laughs> and they thought, I want that Arthur money. You know what? He was uh, he was considered for the role too, Dudley Moore. Well, there you go. That would have been perfect. There you go. That would have been great. He would have made a perfect lady. <laughs> anyway, uh, Julie goes to bed early, and so now it's just Les and him, and then, holy shit, Les's dad gets to complain about feminism for a little yeah, while. Yeah, it's a good scene. It's great. What's his major complaints? He's a, he's a good he's a good guy, you know. He's just well, he's just a little conservative. That's all. Like he doesn't I mean, he look, he's he's fine with women, you know, having everything that they want. Like that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's you okay, know. but Well, I but, mean, there's got to be a limit to it, right? Yeah, there's got to be a you limit know, to it. I mean, there right. is, I mean, you know, it's fine. There's only so much that they can have. Yeah. I mean, I want them to have everything except for these key things that would make them actually equal. Yeah. You know, I want them to be equal with men, but not as equal. Not like to not men. like equal equal. Yeah, like mostly like equal. E- like e- equal ish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If there is a way that we can make them feel powerful without being oh, powerful, that would be that perfect. would be absolutely ideal. Can we just do that? That w- that's right. That way- Maybe we could make yeah. an insipid movie. That 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 makes women feel empowered, but the message is coming from cis white guys. Hmm. Literally, one of them dressed like you know one of them women thinks that would be great. Wouldn't that be great? Steve? That would be great. And if the movie made like two hundred million dollars in nineteen eighty two, yeah, fantastic. Came in second after, after E. T. Yeah, beat the wrath beat of the Khan. wrath of Khan at the box office into the ground. Just absolutely murdered it. <laughs> it. They killed the wrath of Khan deader than Spock. But he excuses himself before uh, Les drops his pants and said, now suck it. And he puts on another wig that has curlers in it and he gets into bed with Julie and then Julie shares a whole bunch of shit and then he pats her head and he should feel like absolute filth at this point. He should. Shouldn't he, he Steve? He should. I don't think he does. But he's just... He's just fallen more in love with her, yeah, right? Yeah. But then he goes back to, after they get back from their little Christmas escapade, and he goes to his agent and he says he wants out, and he says, "There's no way out. You're trapped. You signed a contract, stupid. You signed a contract, and everyone thinks that, and you'll be charged with fraud. Don't worry, it doesn't happen. Anyway, <laughs> that he will be charged with fraud, and that there's no way out. Yeah. And then Julie breaks up with Ron. And he invites Dorothy over. She invites Dorothy over so that she can go out to break up with Ron. And um, she'll babysit. And Ron has a little... little a little discussion because we need the men's side of it, don't we? Of course you do, yes. We need the men's side of it. Hey, there's two sides to every story. Uh-huh. I don't know if this is the scene or if there's another... Or if it's after. It's after they come... No. Because she comes back alone. I don't care. Anyway, the baby cries a lot. It's, it's funny. It's funny. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, Dor- uh, Julie comes back, and uh, then Dorothy gives her breakup advice. <laughs> <laughs> sure, because why the hell not? Yeah, because he's great. So far, instead of breaking up with Sandy, he's been lying to her this entire movie for months now. Yeah. Um, but he's getting breakup advice, and then Dorothy tries to kiss her. <gasps> and we get another gay panic scene. Hooray! Yay. Oh, no. She thinks that Dorothy's a lesbian. Uh-huh. And, oh, that's that's uncomfortable. And, oh, she better let her dad down you know, yeah. easy because, you yeah. know, he'll they'll break his little heart into pieces if he finds out the lady that he likes is a lesbian. And they, and they, they never say the word lesbian nope. or gay. Nope. And nope. Um, so then Dorothy goes on a date with Jill's dad because that's how you... you you let people down easy as you agree to go out on a date mm-hmm. and uh it's even the best way to no- do it only known each other for a little tiny bit what is Le- what does julie's dad do oh well it's funny um he uh proposes marriage mm-hmm. ha 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 mm-hmm. ha ha oh oh what, funny. A, what a but the, what a comic the, escalation the night the night gets funnier it gets so much funnier because when when michael gets home still dressed as dorothy um the dirty old man from the soap opera john van horn is there and he's in love with her oh yeah supposedly yep and he's and and he says go home go home and then he goes back upstairs and then the horny old man from the show starts singing to her. Mm-hmm. And so she says, just get inside. Just get inside. Just come up here. And he just wants one drink. Right, Steve? That's just it. Just one drink. Yes, of course. Yep. And then he tries to rape her. Ah, uh, the mark of any good comedy. Not like throw down on the ground and start rolling up. But I mean like kissing. And yeah, like not saying, back, not backing off. Yeah. 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 And she's saying stop and he's still doing it. And now oh, I need you. And then Jeff walks in, and the old man thinks that Jeff and, and Dorothy are a couple, and he says, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know, I'm terribly sorry. I didn't realize you belonged to another. Pretend. You know that thing that I like doing, Steve, where uh-huh. if something didn't happen, then the other thing would happen? Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So if Jeff hadn't walked in, what would have happened? Um. Well, what might have happened is that John Van Horn would have discovered that Dorothy was a man. While ripping her clothes off. While ripping her clothes off, thinking she was a woman attempting to rape her. Right. Um, And I don't know, maybe he might have just, like, really messed her up or killed her or something. Or something like that. Something like that. Or, you know, as Dorothy does, Hoffman beats him to death with a frying pan. Or that, too. It it could have gotten really ugly. A body hiding hijinks kind of yeah, comedy. Yeah, funny. Bit. A comedy. It's been, a comedy. That would be good. But thankfully, Jeff's there. They just let the le- the rapist lech leave. Mm-hmm. And then and then Jeff says, "You slut." Ha 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 ha. Ha ha. That's ha, funny. Ha, ha. That's hey, funny. guess guess what? They had the gall to put into the script during this scene. Oh what? Dustin Hoffman says, "Rape isn't funny." He sure does. But the the movie. Just did a rapist funny scene. Uh, we've all learned so, a valuable lesson. Which is it? Rape movie? isn't funny. <laughs> Rape isn't funny, Jason. Unless we make it funny. Unless right? we make unless we make jokes. Unless yeah, if it's then a you joke. better then you better lighten up and laugh at the rape jokes. That's right. He was a man. There's no way he was gonna get raped, right? Because he's a man. Men don't rape men. No, it's boys right. don't rape boys, it's, Jason. It's, boys it's, rape girls. Funny, and then it's funny it's when funny. Jeff starts asking him questions like, "Why did you even let him up here?" and other questions that cops ask when real women are raped. It's all your fault, woman. 
I'm it's a gonna, good movie. It's a happy I'm movie. Turning, I'm turning off my microphone. Oh, okay. And, uh, Do you need a minute? I just, I'm going to, I need like days. And I'm going to just lay down here. Okay, okay? We'll, we'll just pause and, and we'll start just recording again when you're done. promise to call me. No? Okay. 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 Thank we'll, you. I'll, okay. I'll check on just, you. Just, all right, good. All right. Okay. Thank you. Okay, no problem. Okay, so it's been three days now, and thankfully my family has given me plenty to drink while you look I'm a lot better here. they understand they you look a lot you look you look a lot better well i don't even know what caused it i don't even know what we were talking about before i just uh oh. i just woke up on the floor it was weird and then you were on skype uh-huh and you haven't apparently this call has lasted three days so. yeah well i was worried about you i didn't want to oh, just and i didn't want to end the call and not be able to uh-huh. get back in touch with you you well, know were we talking about star trek uh, or something um you remember we were talking about Tootsie, Jason? I'd rather talk about Turnabout Intruder. It's, uh, it's kind okay. of the same thing. It's, it's similar. It's bad. I mean, yeah. but not as bad as Tootsie. Where were we in the plot? Oh, we were at the scene where he almost gets raped by the dirty old man. Okay, bye-bye. Jason? Jason? No, no, no. No, no. Come back, buddy. We got to get through this. Okay, it's been five hours now, and I'm okay. I'm good. You, so, you, you look what better. What are we talking about? The rape scene in Tootsie. <laughs> okay, bye bye. Okay, he just lay down again. Jason. No. No. Jason. So what and then so so Sandy shows up. Oh. Sandy, I like Sandy. Yeah, she's been lied to. Yeah, Sandy shows up, and now, um, now, now, Michael and Jeff are panicking because Sandy can't see Michael in the Dorothy. Wait, we clothes. just cut directly to a wacky "I'm dressed like a woman" thing. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. And then they say I'm in the shower and yeah. stuff, and and she comes in, and then they get in a fight or something, don't they? Yeah, well, because he, he gives her he gives her candy, which Les had it's given to re-gift. him. Yeah. He re-gifts candy. And because he's a smart man, he didn't take the card out, so mm-hmm. Sandy sees the card and sees that the flowers are to him from someone named Les, and right. he comes up, he tries to come up with some explanation about, like, oh, Les is a friend of mine, and he gave the candy to me because he can't have chocolate because he's allergic. He's a diabetic. Or he's a diabetic, that he's a diabetic he can't have chocolate and yeah um, yeah and and she don't buy it no and then he comes clean kind of in a way in a very he, limited way he tells her what he says i'm in love with another woman oh which implies that he made sandy think that he was in love with her yeah that's which he fun. wasn't nope. ever nope ever ever and she uh doesn't handle it well does she no she goes she goes a little cuckoo yeah, because she's a woman. That's what they do. Right? That's how they are. Why can't she act like a man? If they would just act more like, like men. You know, men are completely reasonable people. That's right. They yeah. understand these things. It's easier. Yeah. You would never see a man carry on like that. No, never. No, never. Anyway, um, Michael Michael still wants out. He doesn't uh-huh. want to do this anymore. And he goes, nope. And then, uh-oh, someone... So it was introduced earlier in the movie that sometimes, every once in a while, and this did happen in soap operas, that if part of their show got ruined, they would have to do the scenes live on television. Right. 
And um, for the second time in the course of this badly managed soap opera, <laughs> um, another scene has been ruined. And coincidentally, it just happens to be a scene where Dorothy has a great big speech. Isn't that convenient, Steve? That's really convenient, yeah. And they're going to have to go live during this big speech about her character and stuff. And so... Um, before they do that, he goes and tries to see Julie, and Julie says, um, lesbians ick me out, and I can't be friends with you anymore. Bye-bye. And she closes the door. So, so much for that fucking bitch. And, no, I mean, she basically, I mean, basically that's what it is. I love you, Dorothy, as a friend, and I can't be around you anymore because you're a lesbian. And so, bye-bye. And she closes the door. The lower parts are the parts that they didn't say out loud in the movie, but that we could hear with our mind brains because uh-huh. we, because this is a hateful film, and I don't like it. Actually, it's not hateful. This is what happens when cis white liberal people think they're being super sensitive, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't always turn out very well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when we decided that we love Native Americans, especially when we destroy their culture, teach them English, and completely separate them from their from their culture and language mm-hmm. for their own good. For their own good, right, exactly. How else are they going to live in America? Exactly. Right? I mean, we're not going to accommodate them. Don't be ridiculous. No. <laughs> of course not. Are you kidding? I'm edging for the floor again. Let's keep going, shall we? <laughs> um, so then they cut, and they're doing the live scene, and Dorothy comes out, and she's at the top of the staircase, and she has this long monologue that, that uh, he starts to improvise badly. Uh-huh. And um, basically, he tries to write himself into the mo- into the soap opera by coming up with this monologue, in which he turns out that he's not actually the character that he's playing, but he's actually a man. And he takes the yeah. stuff and takes the wig off, and everyone has a reaction, right, Steve? Oh, like, oh no. yeah. Oh no. Or I knew it. That's what the producer said. Not the producer. The director said it. The director said, I I knew that's why she didn't like me. Right, exactly. Because they had a little conversation once in which he said, you don't like me. And and he said, I don't like the way you treat Julie. And he says, well, you know what? It's not my fault. She knew that I, I was seeing multiple people, but she saw me anyway. I didn't promise her anything if she took it that way that's the whole thing that we jumped over because we needed to get that character to explain himself right well of course because he's not a bad guy not really Uh uh-huh and there was one funny line that i thought was funny and that is the lecherous old man says does jeff know i thought that was (laughs) funny but um we get to see the last scene with sandy in it Mm-hmm. Because Sandy has been saying that she doesn't like the person that they cast for the role that she went out for. Right, Steve? Oh, yeah. She hates Dorothy. Yeah, she thinks so she's what terrible. We get, what we get to see is Sandy screaming in her apartment. Yep. The end for Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being in the movie. Thanks, Sandy. Sorry, sorry about everything. Sorry about all the lies. You don't get a moment at all, <laughs> just the screaming. But we also see uh, Julie's dad, mm-hmm. who's in shock that he doesn't realize he's no longer holding his sandwich. And, um, yeah, 
Oh, and then when they say cut, Julie walks up and kicks and knees him in the balls, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh-oh, Steve, we're sad. You want to yeah. know how I know we're sad? Why? How you know we're sad, man? Because there's sad 80s saxophone oh, music playing. No. I know. <sighs> so then we cut to a bar where Julie's dad hangs out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Michael's there. And... Oh boy. Julie's dad says, the only reason you're still living is that I didn't kiss you. Isn't that great? Ha 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 He would have murdered him. He would have killed him had they yeah. kissed. Uh, had they kissed, he would have killed him, but he's okay. It's funny. Because they'll be, they'll be buddies now or something yeah, for I, some reason. I guess. He didn't turn around and say, this guy's a queer, let's kill him. They just said, uh, he had asked him, are no. you gay? And he said, no, of course not. I'm not gay. I'm not. Of course not. Because that would be worse, right? Yeah, that right, would be terrible Steve? if I was, but I'm not. I'm uh, definitely yeah. not. That would be sad and awful yeah. if I was. Boy, gay Just people. like if I was a transvestite or maybe a transsexual. Yeah, no. That you would don't... be bad too. Yeah. That would be so. Thank that would God be he's so not. worse. Yeah. But thankfully, I get to live because I'm not any of those things. I had, I had utilitarian reasons for dressing up like a woman all that time. And exactly. It was nothing about you. And then they share a drink, a beer, and yay. Fucking. God damn it. <laughs> and then Julie, he sees, Julie sees him on the street. Because he's waiting outside the studio for her like a stalker. Like a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> and he wants to he wants to explain everything, right? He wants oh, to yeah. explain everything. And, and she's like, I don't know if I want to talk to you. And he's like, look, I was a better man as a woman with you than... And you was uh, you're a woman, and I was. Look, I'm just trying to say basically that I I I'm more me when I was like Dorothy, and I think that's a lie. I think that's yeah. a lie because Dorothy and him are completely different characters, right, Steve? Yes, I would say I that is a fair thing to say. Yeah, any of Dorothy's thoughts or behaviors mirrored in his life, but he's basically saying, look, I was. I was I was good with you and you should yeah we we were good close we got the hard part over aside from all the lying <laughs> that I'm not apologizing for <laughs> that I'm not apologizing for I was good it was good that I I got your trust pretending to be somebody else and and we should we should be friends and then of course Julie says okay and they start walking down the street talking and then they put their arms around each other and Aww. then it freezes and then and and then the credits come up and it's done is it's done and there's no stinger and there's no other fallout nope happily did ever he, after did he keep his job who who cares i don't who, know who knows who cares <laughs> did he get sued who knows oh, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what happened to sandy did she kill herself who who cares, <laughs> who cares? Well, the closest thing we get to a closure for jeff is that we see that up in the fucking middle of nowhere in a farm that they're putting on his play right so i guess yeah. they got the eight thousand dollars for that but jeff doesn't get a denouement nobody else gets a denouement, <laughs> a denouement. nope nobody just walk down the fucking street and everything's forgiven the end happy ending you 80s fucks happy <laughs> thanks ending. for the money 
fucking turds <laughs> made this a hit movie. Thanks for all the money. So glad you get to walk out, haha, feeling good about yourself, feeling oh yay, I'm 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 liberal and I those the oh boy, yeah, female empowerment stuff and I watched Dustin Hoffman wear a dress for two hours and I didn't throw up once. Yeah, and then does doesn't help matters much that Dustin Hoffman kept talking about how this made him a better person and he made up some fucking story about how you know, he realized that being an ugly woman, how many times he didn't talk to ugly women because he was basing yeah. them on their beauty standard. And shut the fuck up, because we know about you now, Dustin. We know about you now, Dustin. We know. It's like the worst self-important actor story I've ever heard. I know. It's so bad. I realized how many interesting women I had refused to pay attention. He did the same f- like, God. fucking thing for Rain Man. He did the same fucking thing for Little Big Man. He just like okay i'm so glad you personally learned some horse shit that i'm sure <laughs> your fucking publicist came up with oh. to help pimp the movie i wish that was like a card you could send him i'm so glad you personally learned some horse shit okay steve <sighs> uh-huh. tell me tell me please tell me tell me how you felt about this movie and i swear to fucking christ if you come at this with like i didn't agree with his politics but overall it was really funny i enjoyed it recommend you better put a gun right in your mouth when you're done saying that because there's no i will not accept it i will not you will have been replaced by a fucking pod person if that happens okay okay let me put your mind at ease (laughs) um okay so here's the thing and we've talked about this a little bit already but um this movie feels a little bit (laughs) what this this specific point oh okay this movie feels very dated when we watch it today yeah it feels and to me i think it feels dated in two different ways and one of those ways the first way i'm going to talk about is the most important way and is very much to the movie's detriment there's a second way that it feels dated that I think actually works a little bit. Um, but I'll talk about the first way. And that is, of course, that it's a man in drag comedy. Um, mm-hmm. And to be fair, it's not, it doesn't play the haha man in dress funny. It doesn't hit that button quite as hard as some other similar films do. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think about Mrs. Doubtfire, where like, where like, where there are scenes where literally the only thing we're supposed to be laughing at is, ha ha, Robin Williams in a dress. But and they stole the same thing from Some Like It Hot. Yes, that's true. When we, see, like, Tony, yeah. when we see Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon walking down that, that railway that's true. Uh, platform, with, that's the first time we see them fully in drag. And in this one, it's Dustin Hoffman walking fully in drag down the street. Down the street. And and I do think we're supposed to, the, the, the movie does hope that we laugh at that. The movie does mm-hmm. hope that we, because it's a smash cut, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. it's like because there isn't like there isn't like the getting dressed up montage when you first see him. It's just smash cut to him in costume as a woman walking down mm-hmm. the street. Um, right. So it doesn't, but it it doesn't it doesn't hit that particular note as hard as some other movies do. But obviously, it's still there. It's still ha ha. He's a man, but he dressed up like a lady. Um, and hopefully that's an attitude that that many of us have grown beyond at this point, or mm. if, or, or if we haven't, that we really need to. Um, the biggest problem I have with it, though, in 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 this 
uh, part of it is that the movie never deals with the wrongness of what Michael does. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a conversation between him and his agent where the agent tells him, like we mentioned in our, in our synopsis just now, where he tells him, you know, you can't tell people that you're really a man because it's fraud and it would ruin your career and it would ruin other people's careers. Um, and Michael does eventually come to resent being known as Dorothy because it makes his personal life more complicated. Right. Um, and he thought that this was just going to be a short term thing anyway. Um, even though he signed a contract even though he signed a contract um, and now he's in love with Julie and she only knows him as Dorothy and it's becoming like this whole obstacle but what Michael is doing is wrong like uh-huh. he's he's pretending to be a woman and getting hired by people who think he's a woman and we mentioned that you mentioned right. this already he's taking jobs that could have gone to women you know um, and he's also using his Dorothy persona to get closer to Julie, who he's in love with, who thinks he is a completely different person than he actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we don't mean in a transsexual kind of way. We don't mean in a trans way, right? No. We accept that if a person identifies as a woman and they're going after women's job, we don't hold them to the same standards now as we would no, of course in the not. case of this movie where it's a cis-hetero man of course, yes, absolutely. taking be- be- the job away. Because a trans woman is a woman. A trans mm-hmm. woman is not not a man in a dress so it's a completely different dynamic the, the, right. the, this movie makes it explicit yeah that dustin hoffman's character is a cis man who is pretending to be a woman mm-hmm. um and 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 he is and, and and is is getting cast in a role that otherwise would have gone to a woman um right and, and that's and that's wrong and the movie never even acknowledges that it never even has another character say to him, you know, it's, I mean, you got, you stole a job from a woman, you yep. know, like nobody even, it never even says that. It never even makes a joke about it. Nothing. It's, um, it's even more insidious than that. Yeah. The implication in this movie is that the women would have continued to be treated the way they were, you know, being talked down to, being referred to by, by nicknames, being sexualized, being used by men. If yeah. it weren't for this heterosexual man yeah. coming in and doing what they were incapable of doing, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone keeps saying to Dorothy, I wouldn't have been able to do X if I had never met you, right? And that that message is basically, see, men know. And now we're yeah. going to mansplain all the things you're doing wrong. Exactly. You're gonna you're gonna learn how to do it because a man told you to do it. You Men, don't know it's a man, but we we know better. All we have to do we we can live as a woman for five minutes, and we've and we can see our way through all the problems that women face, and, and we know exactly what they should do and how they can fix it. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. So that is a that is a huge huge blind spot in this movie. Um, also, and we, we've touched on this already, it's, it, there's the strain of homophobia that runs through it. Um, mm-hmm. And if the movie had been made today, I think you would also have to say transphobia as well. And looking at it from from modern from a modern perspective, it, it, a lot of it does also read as transphobia because, as I mentioned a minute ago, that's one of the more sort of hateful stereotypes that is weaponized yeah. against trans women specifically that they are oh they're just men in dresses or they're just you know like you said earlier they're just trying to trick men into thinking something um mm-hmm. we re- we recognize that now probably in 1982 when when to most non-trans people trans people might as well have been invisible that probably wasn't as much yeah. of an issue in the in the minds of the public but nowadays it well, definitely mean, it, sticks out all the way up into the 1990s and even into the 2000s oh yeah and even today, thanks to J.K. Rowling, yeah. <laughs> trans people are evil. Yeah, because they trick people. They're deviant. Right? They're dishonest. They're deviant. They're, yeah, They're yeah. Violent. 
Um, but yeah, so there's a major strain of homophobia in it. Um, and you know, every, every time that someone in the film objects to Michael dressing up as a woman, it's centered around their assumption or their fear that Michael is gay or that he's not only gay, but predatory in some way, which kind of, which, you know, that's, that's another really classic harmful anti-gay stereotype that a gay person is, is necessarily predatory and is always sort of out to get people. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, and there's that scene that we mentioned where where Les Julie's father basically says that he would have murdered him if they had kissed, right. um, and and he gets to say that without any commentary or judgment. No, in you fact, know, there's a, it is an act of understanding between the two of them. They go on to have a, they act, yeah they actually reach an understanding after he says that. There's no yep. there's no comeuppance at all. There's no sense like oh that's a really unfortunate attitude to have. Less nope. The scene is literally reassuring the heterosexual man that there was nothing gay going on. Yeah yeah exactly because that would have been the worst thing exactly right. Um, so all of that is completely fucked up and 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 is bad enough that it it, it keeps me from being able to recommend the movie. Um, but there are other parts of the movie that I do think work that I want to acknowledge. And, and that is the second way that I say the film feels dated. And maybe not dated. Maybe dated isn't the best word, but sort of of another time. And that mm-hmm. is when the, movie, when the movie works, when it's at its best, it does play like a screwball comedy from the 40s or the 50s. Um, there are, there you are, hear that? That's the ice cracking underneath your feet, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are bits in the movie there are bits in the movie that rely on precise comic timing and wordplay on mm. conversations that build and shift back and forth between characters there's a scene mm. between Michael and the agent um, there's actually there's a I, I like all of the scenes between Michael and George I think those are some of the best scenes in the whole movie but it's especially right. the one where he's trying to explain to George how now at this point in the film Sandy thinks he's gay Sandy uh-huh. th- Sandy thinks he's a gay man but Julie thinks that he is a lesbian right. but Les asked him to marry him because Les thinks that he's a hetero woman right. and and that's the way that's written and, and the way you know like George keeps is sort of out of the loop and keeps asking questions and is showing his confusion and Michael has to uh-huh. keep explaining like that it's a very well written bit of farce his agent is the and funniest thing in the movie the age I agree the agent is well and the agent is one of the only characters maybe the only character that reacts reasonably to Michael yes that that treats Michael the way his actions warrant him being treated um, mm-hmm. You know, doesn't doesn't put up with his shit. Doesn't... He still says a couple of icky things, but I mean, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just that kind of movie. Uh, the first time he sees Michael in drag, he says, "I told you to get therapy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah that's not great. Um, no. And also, I I like the fact, and we talked about this way back at the beginning of the show, but I like the fact that I they they play Michael's actor neuroses for laughs. Um, you know, they, they, they make his actor bullshit, the butt of a lot of the jokes, um, not quite enough <laughs> or, or no. not, not, not to the point that, that he, that he has any sort of realization about them or, or changes, mm-hmm. um, which would have been nice, but it's, I, I do at least like the fact that you see Dustin, like the bit with the vegetables, you know, where, where he yeah. says with utter seriousness, like, I play the best vegetables. Like, and he's saying that as like as a point of pride. Like, he's this great right. actor. He's so good, he can even play vegetables. And everybody loved his vegetables, right? Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. And I love that yes. joke of, of like, you know, like, oh, look at this fucking poking, a, a, you know, a needle in the balloon of this pompous actor. Um, but ultimately, his pomposity pays off for him. 
Well, that's the because problem. Because one of the things he does on the set is he's still giving direction to other people, overriding the actual director of the show. Yeah, which 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 not only and I would argue actually makes him a shittier actor because he's he finds yes. it, he finds it impossible to collaborate. Um, it also and, and not that realism is ever a concern in this movie, nor should we necessarily. Uh, you know, uh, judge it poorly for not being realistic because it's just not that kind mm-hmm. of movie. But I mean, honestly, right. he would have been he would have been fired the first day. Oh, I mean, yeah. especially on a soap opera where you're when doing you went a, off script, you're, you're doing an episode every day, and mm-hmm. you need actors need to be reliable. The producers of the show need to know that if they give you lines to say, that you will do what they need you to do. Like exactly. if, if he if he went off and improvised off script once. They would have fired him because they cannot take that risk. No, you know they the 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 shooting schedule on a daily soap is so fucking ridiculous. There, yeah, they just there's you you have to hit the we have to get the pages in camera. Period. Don't mm-hmm. no fucking around. No improvising. No going off in your own direction. No actor bullshit. Do the lines we wrote for you to do, and that's it. Um, as close as you can. Yeah. And and if he did that, so so that, but not necessarily a point against the movie, but just something that feels like okay, there's there's just no fucking way this would happen. There's just no way this nope. would happen, um, and it certainly wouldn't be wouldn't be played as an advantage to him, which is how it is in the movie. Like that's part of what makes him a star is that he totally he throws the script out the window and just says whatever he thinks his character should say, and everybody loves it. Um, and and so the actor bullshit does have a downside. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes back to the first sort of way of, that the film feels out of date that I talked about, which is, you know, Michael's insights into being a woman, which were meant to, I guess, connect to him being an actor, being able to get yeah. into a character, are all completely glib and superficial. And mm-hmm. and when he describes them to other people, he comes across like a high school senior who just came back from his first summer abroad convinced that he's found this deep profound understanding of the world when really he just right. took a fun vacation <laughs> right yeah like he thinks he's complete like the scales have been catcher in the rye yes. over summer vacation the scales have been lifted person. from his eyes exactly and it's actually it's like no you just had like a really fun summer like right you didn't really Listen, learn the, anything the fountainhead isn't that great no. please stop reading <laughs> please please don't still be reading this book when you're in your 40s <laughs> Please, okay, you read it. Congratulations. Move on. I beg you. The um, world doesn't work like this. And 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 most importantly, most importantly for the film, um, Michael is Michael remains an asshole pretty much right to the end of the movie. Yeah. I mean, the movie wants us to think that he has sort of attained some kind of epiphany when he says to Julie, like, "Oh, I just need to be the person I was as Dorothy without the dress." But he's saying that to her after he has waited for her outside the studio and right. and stalked her and forced himself on, forced his company on her when she has made it very clear that she doesn't want to be around him. She doesn't want to talk to right. him. Um, and the movie rewards him for it because they, she she melts, you know, like she she melts. She, yeah. So, um, you know, Michael is this arrogant, selfish, neurotic guy who lies and manipulates Julie in order to get close to her and mm-hmm. succeeds. And and neither he nor the film ever really reckon with that. And also, on a personal note, all due respect to Jessica Lange, who is a wonderful actor and a beautiful woman. And I have yeah. no, I have absolutely absolute utmost respect and admiration Maybe for her. Maybe one of our best actresses. She is so good. She's so good. But once you've been with Terry Garr, I don't understand why you would even look at someone else. I don't get it. Like yeah. that's just that's just a personal preference of mine. I, I but it's like you know Terry Carr is right there. 
<laughs> you, yeah. You fucking asshole. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just remember she's being portrayed as neurotic and easy to depress. Oh, of course. And you don't want that. No, you wouldn't want an obviously hilarious, talented person as your partner in life. Me the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So any, so yeah, um, it's a very, it's it's a ridiculously overrated movie. Like it's it's absurdly overrated. It does have its funny moments. The performances, I think, are all very good. I haven't mentioned Bill Murray yet, but he's you know ex- except for for improving over Elaine May's dialogue, um, mm-hmm. I thought I thought he, he's excellent. He's excellent in everything. I like. There's kind of a loose sort of hanging out with the characters quality that the first act has that I appreciate. Uh, the dialogue is mostly very smartly written. Um, I like the fact that the writers at least came up with the took the trouble of coming up with a reason why they had to do the soap opera scene live instead of just right. instead of just pretending pretending that that's how it's done which is usually how that goes in movies um yep. but yeah it's so it, it has it has enough going for it that i'm, I'm not going to say it's like one of the worst movies i've ever seen but all of those problems that we have talked about and that i'm sure you're going to talk about some more um are just so egregious and so impossible I'm just batting cleanup just it's so <laughs> impossible to ignore that i i just i can't <laughs> Even with the parts of it that I admire and that I think work, uh, I just I can't recommend it. There, there's parts of it that are just so fucking wrongheaded and gross and repugnant, and it doesn't. Mm. E- and, and the movie doesn't even seem to realize it. So I I I, no. I, I, I can't recommend the movie. Thanks, Steve. Hand off. Now you do. Now you so, go. <laughs> I agree with everything that Steve said. I'm not going to repeat it again. The, the cast is starting is so strong. The people in this are not bad actors. Uh, they even say Dustin Hoffman isn't a bad actor, despite the fact that he's notoriously difficult to work with. Mm. Right? The movie looks fine. It looks good. It's not out of focus. There's no boom mics all over the place. I mean, <laughs> some money was spent on it. They filmed in New York or whatever. And since we got all the social stuff out of the way, either during the recap or with Steve's recapping of it, I don't think I need to beat a dead horse by repeating the same goddamn things because I agree with everything he said. What is this as a movie? And I'm going to quote something from a previous film because that film also had one joke. It's a duck, man. It's a duck. (laughs) This movie is like Howard the Duck. (laughs) The one joke. In this movie, oh, it's perfect. Is that he's a man? He's a man, isn't it funny? He he has to sit with an almost naked girl, and he accidentally Freudian slips tits <gasps> because that's what he's looking at when he's talking to her. So even though even though we're supposed to think that Dorothy is the better part of him, it's not. It's not. It's not. It it isn't. The joke in this is that it's a man. Oh no, he's got to kiss a guy. Oh well, who he thought his way out. Oh no, he's. He's kissing the guy now. That's funny. Because it's a man. Because it's a man. Oh, it's funny. Got proposed to because he's a man. Oh, it's funny that Julie's dad is falling in love with because it's a man. Get, get it? Oh, look at all the guys falling in love with this ugly horse-faced not-woman. Because it's funny because it's a man. That's it. That's all this has. This, this is the whole joke yeah. that it has to offer. It tries to, you know, foolishly dive into feminism or whatever. And it doesn't really have a clear statement about any of it. Not really. I don't think they bothered to talk to a single feminist at the time to find out, hey, is this a good idea? Or maybe <laughs> can we get your input as to how we can handle No, not really. I mean, I know that Dustin Hoffman had a... a, a drag queen consult on him and becoming a, a woman but at <clears throat> no point did i ever think that they asked that person 
is this a good idea? Or talk to maybe a trans person. They existed. They existed. They did. We knew about them. Now, some people will say, well, it was just the way we were thinking at the time. Well, you know what? We don't live inside little tiny era bubbles. Right. Bleed. We've known about things for a long time. And there were times where we didn't talk about some stuff. And in this situation, we knew that trans people existed. There were people out there that knew that trans people were not being portrayed very well in movies. And I don't think a single one of those writers bothered to ask anybody. Nope. What is this like? What message are we sending? Oh, that's right. Remember the joke, everybody. It's a man. That's the funny part of it is it's a man. Fuck this movie. Fuck it. I had no interest in seeing it back in 1982. I was 13 years old. Why would I want to watch that movie? <laughs> Why would I want to watch it? Now, I will clearly admit, at 13, I wasn't thinking about trans people, really. I mean, I grew up in a much different household. There was a lot about gay rights that I was exposed to at a very young age because I had two mommies. But I did not, and I don't think they were, terribly interested in watching a man mansplain how to be a woman to women. Hmm. And... and I know that some people will just say, oh, well, maybe that's the joke that he's mansplaining. Is that a joke? Is it? Because I don't think it was portrayed as a joke in the movie. I don't think so. I don't think so. No. This is another white guy saving women from stuff that they're too plumb, dumb, or timid, or cowardly to stand up for themselves. It's kind of like... If we made a movie and he was a black guy, would that be cool? That would be funny. Wouldn't it be great if he just started telling all the black people while pretending to be black how they can be better? That would that would Every, that, that movie would get burned. Everybody <laughs> would love that. It would be so great. So while the movie is technically on a technical level fine and the cast is amazing, you know, act quite honestly amazing. I forgot that Bill Murray was in this. I didn't know Gina Davis was in this. I forgot that Charles Durning was in this. But they weren't pleasant reminders. They were like, "Oh no. <laughs> Not you too. You're in this." <laughs> And maybe people say, well, that was the time. Uh, fine. It was the time. Hollywood didn't know any better. They weren't interested in knowing any better. Right. right? No one was interested in it. We're making a funny movie. Uh, I don't know why this... I know why this movie made a gajillion dollars. Because all the people who don't think about these things went to go see it. Mm-hmm. And it made them feel good. It's, uh, it's so funny. The guy is in there. And, and they could gloss over. And they don't see any of the stuff that Steve and I saw. And maybe we're viewing it from a 2020 perspective. We are. But that doesn't mean that we're wrong. Okay? And that doesn't mean that the movie is still good. I would argue that it wasn't good then, but perceptions have changed, and I think that's one of the reasons why a whole lot of people don't bring up Tootsie anymore, despite the fact that it made a shit zillion dollars in 1982. Yeah. Funny enough, the movies that didn't make nearly as that much money are the ones that we talk about now, like Blade Runner and The Thing and Conan the Barbarian mm-hmm. and The Beastmaster <laughs> and all of these other quote-unquote box office bombs. But the biggest, I mean, with the exception of maybe E.T. and Wrath of Khan, which still made it into the top ten, mm-hmm. Tootsie has kind of slipped away. And it's going to continue to slip away as we go forward. Some of the things that I notice is, is that if Some Like It Hot had 
never been made, this movie wouldn't have been made because it's basically the same exact fucking plot as Some Like It Hot. Except in Some Like It Hot, it's two guys that have to dress up in drag, and it's more sensitive than this movie was. Yeah, and it was made in the 50s. And it was more of a comedy than anything else. You know, I haven't seen Someone Like It Hot in a long time, but I don't remember getting this angry about Someone Like It Hot. No. But I mean, the ending, the ending of Someone Like It Hot, Jack Lemmon's character is driving away with another character that is in love with him as a woman. Right. They're on a speedboat. He's trying to explain to him why it won't work out. And then Jack Lemmon finally takes off his wig and says, I'm a man. And how does the guy respond, Steve? (laughs) He looks at him and he looks back ahead and he says... With a big smile on his face. And he says, nobody's perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. How is that more progressive than this movie? I have no idea. How? I know it was written for a gag. I know yeah, it was I think written it, for it, a, it, as a joke. It helps that they ended on a gag, not attempting I mean, some kind of heartwarming then, moment. You have this moment where he tells the guy, and the guy's cool with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He doesn't get violent. He doesn't, like, throw no. ro- throw up or act like he's sick or shocked or, or whatever. Try to kill himself. Yeah. Or his no, own nothing. Dick off or right. try to kill Jack Lemmon there in the boat with a harpoon or whatever. <laughs> While Tony Curtis watches. But I mean that movie. I mean it's the same basic thing. We they, these guys had dress up like women for a reason, right? Right. For whatever reason. Right. As entertainment entertainers, and then they start. You know, Tony Curtis starts falling in love, right, with Sugar. Right. And in this one, guy has to do it for money reasons, and he starts falling in love with with Julie. And Tootsie fails. And Some Like It Hot is still going to be enjoyed by people in the future because of the way they handled the material. And they handled this material wrong. Had the comedy been concentrated on more on it's a man than it's a man explaining to women how they should live their lives. And they just excised all of that out if this had been a journey of discovery for the character. Right? I'm dressing, I'm doing something wrong. I'm dressing up like a woman. I want to raise this money. And as he is exposed to, by being the victim of sexual harassment, this would have been a different movie. Oh, yeah. Well, you can't write it like that and it's still funny. Yeah, you can. Of course you can. Of course you can. You can. Of course you can. It's just a little more difficult. And you didn't want difficult. Instead, you wanted this. So, no, I don't like it. It's not a classic and I don't like it. This... This, this podcast took, I don't know, five days to record because it kept knocking me unconscious and putting me on the floor. <laughs> Until we finally got past that one scene. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, we both agree. Fuck off, Tootsie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tootsie, suck my dick. Oh, man. Did you... <laughs> All right, Steve, now it's time for us to recommend something that we want people to see. See Now go, do it. I went too make, far. Make us happy. I went too far. You went too I flew far. Too, you, did. you went too far. I flew too close to the sun. <laughs> you said something violent that you shouldn't have said. I said something bad, and I apologize. Um, <laughs> I'm going to recommend a movie that has Dustin Hoffman in it. That I really okay. like, that I really like, that is actually one of my favorite movies. Um, and I think was actually, it, it came out during what turned out to be a really, really great year for movies. And I think it may have actually been, at least, I think it, for my money, it was the best movie of that year. And the year I'm talking mm. about is 1997, which was a great fucking year for movies. Yeah. Um, and the movie that I'm recommending is a political satire starring. Oh, I know which one. Starring Dustin Hoffman, directed, uh, actually directed by the aforementioned uh, Barry Levinson. And of course, I'm talking mm-hmm. about Wag the Dog. 
Yeah. Which is a movie about uh, Dustin Hoffman playing a Hollywood producer who gets hired by a by someone on a political campaign to to create a fictional war to distract voters from a sex scandal that is threatening their candidate. Yeah. And um, it's co-written by David Mamet, and it co-stars Robert De Niro, and it has, it has a, the, the cast is just absolutely tremendous. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, um, uh, William H. Macy, mm. uh, Dennis Leary. Um, it just, yeah, a, a really terrific cast. And also James Belushi. <laughs> because, I get it. Because he's not Cause terrific. Because he's not good. Because <laughs> he's, he's not good. Uh, he's just, oh, God, why? Yeah, um, we got him as a consolation prize when Jim died. Yeah, what a... It's not good. Not a not a very good consolation prize, huh? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> it's like one of those plastic whistles. You're like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> why did you even give this to me? Doesn't um, even work. Doesn't even work. There's a crack on the seam. <laughs> it made my lip bleed when I put it to my mouth. I just, I, I just hear air going through. That's it. It's useless. All it does is remind me of something better, which I can't get anymore, and it makes me sad. Yes, yes, exactly. So anyway, unlike, uh, unlike Tootsie. Uh, the movie manages to be smart and funny without being horrifically offensive and problematic. <laughs> um, and it's just it's a, it's a really funny movie. The performances are terrific. It, it it's it's I would I would caution you not like I don't think it's because you know it's one of those movies that you know some people will watch and they'll go like yeah I bet that's just how it's like you know it's not like that realistic. I think it probably it takes elements of reality. And elements of like you know deceptive or misleading political campaigns, and then and then blows them up and makes them a little mm. exaggerated. Um, it's not a documentary. It's not like a peek behind the curtain. It's it's a satire of real things, but it is not a a, a realistic presentation of what those real things are. But um, it's really funny and really good. It's one of my favorite films. I think it was the best movie of that year, which was also the year that Boogie Nights came out, which is another movie that I absolutely adore. Um, yep. So uh, good year for movies. Wag the dog. I think was the best movie that year and it is definitely the movie that i would say you should watch um instead of tootsie or 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 to forget about tootsie and if you want to have a reason to maybe like maybe i don't know i don't want to go to bed hating dustin hoffman (laughs) let me watch a good movie that's how i go to bed every every night night. (laughs) every night there's a picture of him next to my bed good night dustin hoffman i fucking hate your guts (laughs) and then i just lay there turn towards the portrait and i'm just scowling (laughs) until i fall asleep i pray when i wake to Tomorrow morning, you are no longer in the world, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> I pray this every night with every fiber of my soul. <sighs> anyway, that's my recommendation. Yay. As you guys know, I like to recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed. And I wanted a comedy. And I found one. A comedy that I quote to this fucking day. Specifically one thing. And it's in German. Ooh. And that is Frau. <laughs> <laughs> sure, of course. Oh, you would like to be my Frau? The movie that I'm going to recommend, some people won't like. It got mixed reviews when it came out. Most of the most people liked it. Some people didn't. It is a absurd comedy that took clips from movies, from noir movies specifically, from the 1940s and 50s, and incorporated them into their own plot and had the main actor interacting with those characters in humorous ways. 
The actor was Steve Martin, <laughs> and the movie was Dead Med Don't Wear Plaid. <laughs> it still is one of my favorite movies. It may not be the greatest movie in the world, but it's 900,000 times funnier than this piece of shit that we just reviewed. <laughs> um, the basic plot is that Nazis are planning to turn our cities into cheese. Oh, Nazis, there you go. God. I said it. <laughs> Nazis. Carl Reiner directed it. He plays the lead Nazi. It's really funny. And I really, really like the movie because it 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 is a satire of something that I really, really love, and that's noir. Mm-hmm. And while not all of the scenes necessarily work by interjecting the stuff in there, they change it just enough. My favorite running gag in this movie is that Humphrey Bogart, whenever he appears, he is a loser. <laughs> they always talk about him as if he's a loser. When he's talking on the phone, they're always rolling their eyes because he can't get anything right. And while there are a lot of people who went, don't do that to Humphrey Bogart, I was like, yes, yes, do it. Do it. It's funny. That's why it's funny, see? Yeah, because it recontextualizes those scenes. And then when you see them in the movies that they're originally in, you go, oh, shit, that is kind of funny. (laughs) He does really seem like a dude that is always down on his luck and barely scraping even. (laughs) Um, It also stars uh, Rachel Ward, and she's actually funny in it. Um, And it just takes all of those noir tropes expands it out a little bit so that it incorporates a Nazi plot to destroy the world. And uh, and I like it. So go see it if you can find it. Dead men don't wear plaid. Hey, Steve. Yeah, man. It's time for you to make a terrible choice. Oh, good. I love these. These never go wrong. Now, this terrible choice is between three good movies. <gasps> oh, bless you. Because I'm saving up the bad ones. Oh, so, okay. these are all satires. Oh, boy. Now, some of you guys might think, that's not a satire. They're all satires. Take it from Papa Jason. Yeah, if we tell you it's a satire, about. you shut up and accept it. <laughs> so, you have A, B, or C, Steve. Please, select away so that we know what we'll be reviewing next. I'm gonna say A. You keep choosing A. I do? You know that? I'm sorry. Yeah, you do. I'm sorry. That's fine. Had you chosen B, we would have reviewed the movie that we have been trying to review for six years. Oh. Network. Oh, damn. Yeah, I know. This is the terrible part of the terrible choice. <laughs> Had you chosen C, we would have reviewed the movie satire that was misunderstood by a whole bunch of shitheads, hmm. Fight Club. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you chose A. So the next movie we're going to review is the classic 1960s satire about nuclear war, (gasps) Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Love the Bomb. (sighs) You happy? I'm happy. You happy, Steve? I'm happy. We're reviewing a Kubrick. We're reviewing a Kubrick. (laughs) So, if you guys want to get all the jokes or find out why when I say things, Steve cries, watch <laughs> Dr. Strangelove. How can you say that about Strangelove? Oh, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to interrupt this 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 review, what? right, Steve? We, I, Yeah, we. I guess we kind of do, don't we? Because we're stupid. We screwed up. Because we're stupid. We screwed so up. So I know you just listened to that whole rigmarole about us doing Dr. Strangelove next, and I bet some of you guys were thinking, but wait a minute. Next next, next show is going to be in October. And you know what I have to say about that? You're right, motherfuckers. <laughs> next time it is going to be in October. You're right, master. And 
That's right, and so we should be picking spooky movies. So, what are we going to do with Dr. Strangeglove? We're going to move him to November, because we don't give a shit about Stanley Kubrick when it comes to scary movies. He only made one, and it isn't even that scary. It's kind of like, okay, get to the point. Come on, come on, Stanley. I know that you like your new your new toy for filming a little boy on on his tricycle for a long time. But um, you know what? When we skip to the witch in the bathtub, can we get to that? That's kind of creepy. I I don't like that. Or maybe the blowjob bear. That's also super creepy. Please just stop pushing the camera behind the boy on the big wheel. That's enough. So, in a panic, Jason Skyped Steve on the day that this was going to be posted and said, We've got to fix it! (laughs) We're fixing it in post. That's right. So, Steve... Yes, Master. You need to make a spooky choice between three movies that I just pulled right out of my ass in a panic... And that's going to be the first spooky Halloween movie we're going to review, Steve. Yeah. You have A, B, or C. Ooh. I will choose B. Yay! You actually picked something scary, an actual monster! Oh, good. Had- Had you chosen A, we would have watched the classic 1931 Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. such a good movie, Master. It's really good. And had you picked C, we would have watched the not-monster movie, not scary at all, don't know why there's costume for him, The Invisible Man. Oh, 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 I like that one too. It's more of a comedy, but the dude dies. Spoilers for the Invisible Man. I've always thought that was hilarious, but that is just me. (laughs) But instead, you chose B. So, the next time... Forget what those other two idiots said before. No Dr. Strangelove. No. The next time you hear from us again... Yes, it will be me. Sorry, everybody, but I'm back. (laughs) For the whole show. The Super Scooby? The Super Scooby-Doo. The super scooby doo You are not, there's none of those are scary, and there's never monsters at the end. You pull off the hood, and it's like, oh, it's, it's old man Beanworthy. It's the old man. <laughs> old man no. Beanworthy. <laughs> <laughs> the movie we're going to review is the classic The Wolf Man. Oh, so good. So scary. The, Oh, look at Lon Chaney Jr. cry. He's so good at it. Oh, the poor man. He cries when he turns into a a wolf man and he kills people. Also, there are Romani in it. But they don't say that in the movie, do they, Steve? They have another word for them in the movie. Yes, that we can't use. So anyway, that's it. And and so... uh, Watch that instead. Don't watch Doctor. You can watch Doctor Strange. Watch it. Watch whatever you want. We can't control yeah, watch, you. Yeah, but we're forced to do it. Watch The Wolfman. I'm sure you can find it free on YouTube or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we're going to return you back to the end of the podcast where Jason says something potentially very offensive oh. and he's not sure if he should have left it in. <laughs> I'm spoiling my own podcast. No, no, Master, you shouldn't. You should just drop this in seamlessly. They'll never be able to tell. Don't tell me what to do. You this is like the fifth time we've done I this. Have... I know what I'm doing. I demand creative input on this show. 
Where is your audio producer credit? You don't have one. You're just my sidekick. You deliver the eyeballs and you shut the fuck up. You do... Okay, so... Yes, master. Now you've ruined it. Now this is in here. I don't know how to cut this out. Great, now we don't have a way to... Aren't you an audio producer? I was just going to cut it out. Of course not. I only have my associate's degree from culinary school. I know how to chop vegetables. I'm good. Chop, 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 chop. But then they got the garlic. Here's the chopped garlic. And I said, fuck it. I'm out. Nope. Can't do this. Because I'm a vampire. I get it. It's a reference to... It would have been bad. The vampiric aversion to garlic. That's right. We're making this really long. Okay. Okay. Back to the show. Anyway, yeah. We're sending you back to those assholes. I hope you agree with them about Tootsie. <laughs> okay, cutting it over. Okay, bye-bye, everybody. See you in two weeks. <laughs> Say goodbye, Igor. God damn it. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Mm. And that's it. Thanks, you guys, for listening in to another one of my personal tirades or mental breakdowns. <laughs> for late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives, and remember my religious beliefs. I don't believe in hell. I believe in unemployment. What? It's a line from the... Are you I don't, equating I, I, unemployment with hell? I'm just saying I don't believe in hell. I believe in unemployment. Oh, what else don't you believe in? The ocean. <laughs> What are you talking about? I'm just, the ocean's real? I'm just saying, I've only actually seen it once, and it could have been just yeah, a big lake. It could have been. So they took How do we know it's not just a big lake? I mean, you're standing there on the beach, you're looking at it. That could just be a big lake. Hey, you know what? You're right. What if it is just a big what lake? What if it's just a All big lake? All those times lake. that I've gone... I remember this one time I went to the beach, and the guy got carried out by the riptide. I bet that... You know what? I bet this is a big lake conspiracy. We just have nothing but big lakes. It's nothing but lakes. You know what? I... Well, I bet I could swim to Japan if I wanted to. Sure you could. Think about this, right? Okay, you look at like a map or a globe. Look how big the yeah. Pacific Ocean is. That's ridiculous. Know, There's that's no ridic- way it's that's that big. Stupid. There's no how way it's that big. How could we have that much water? Exactly. Whales. <laughs> Give me a that's, break. Yeah, like, they're just I mean, abnormally large trout. There might be whales, but they're small lake whales. That's right. I'm not worried about that thing being being the uh, ocean levels rising that's you know, that's all part of big lake conspiracy it's lakes. just relax okay it's not oceans that's it's lakes right. it's all the bilderberg group and jews <laughs> oh i don't want to i don't want to end yeah. on that no sir <laughs> we we it, it would don't. be it would be irresponsible to end on that Cause no, all, cause because the, then people will be like, what? All, all the people who didn't get Fight Club would be like, yeah, it is the Jews. Yeah, Big Lake is real. Big Lake. <laughs> there is this flat, Big Lake is real. Um, there's a pizza place where you can, I guess, order out of a child. <laughs> a child prostitute, sure, why not? For those of you who aren't picking up on it, um, what we're actually doing is mocking people who hold such beliefs. Thanks for explaining the joke. Because (laughs) the thing is, those people are idiots. Are you kidding? Anybody who managed to survive our feminist diatribe at the end of this review didn't make it to the very end. I'm pretty sure they all clicked stop when I told Tootsie to suck my dick. Yeah, you went a little. We're gonna have to have a sit down. We're gonna have to. <laughs> gonna have to impose some 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 
some self-designed standards. You're going to have to reread the employee guidelines handbook again. I need to get you back up to standards with the laws in my uh. state and your state. <laughs> You're going to need to pass a class before you can come back. Man. All right, fine. It's politically. And I apologize for saying that last part. This politically correct bullshit. Because I was trying to shut up. I was trying to to make a point about how eventually if you get down to the bottom of every conspiracy theory there's always apparently Jews. Oh yeah. And I don't agree with it I, and neither does Steve. I don't know why the Jews would want to have faked the moon landing but apparently they did. Yeah, apparently <laughs> fake the moon landing uh, control the entire world but not really and also uh, I guess forward a conspiracy where we just have big lakes instead of oceans so <laughs> where where what do we do what how, how do did we, we end how the do we, show how like do we this? get out of Son this of a bitch. how do we get out of this <laughs> i was just going for a laugh when i said oceans i didn't realize it would take us here <laughs> i didn't think it through much like the screenwriters you know, of tootsie when they came up with the central <laughs> premise of the film perfect we're ending on that Bye everybody. Bye, everybody. Please come back on the next show. We'll be better. Bye, everybody. We'll be better. We're just angry. We're angry, okay? <sighs> Bye. Bye, everybody. Come on, baby. Record for daddy. It ruins our flow, man. Every time. We're like, we're all ready to go. And then, oh, wait. Have to wait ten seconds. What are we, a movie set? <laughs> Quiet on a set! <laughs> Wait a minute! <laughs> Not when Clint Eastwood's directing. I said roll. He doesn't even say that. He says, okay, go. Oh, go. And people on, the people on the set are like, did he say, what did he say? Does he did want he us to, no? should we start now? He said it mostly to the floor. Is that Cut. Us? Good. Print it. Let's go. Move on. You know what he says instead of cut? What? Okay, that's enough. <laughs> but we didn't even do any of the scene. <laughs> we just kind of look confused for like 15 minutes. It's the best acting you've moving ever on. done. <laughs> We're moving on. Look, uh, I'm making this movie in a week, and it's an intergalactic space opera. How? It doesn't even have a script. <laughs> All right. Are you rolling? I'm you good. good. I'm good. You, yeah. got your, you got your peaks and valleys? Yeah, I got my peaks and valleys. Okay. <clears throat> Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production. Featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.